Good evening and welcome to the evening service of Lamington Baptist Church. Great to have each one of you here and um, listening in uh, to the evening message. And uh, tonight I want to look at something that we all need to, to be accountable for and that's um, responsibility. We all have responsibilities. But what is responsibility and what does it have to do with the Christian life? And um, what responsibilities do we, do we have? So I just want to look at that a bit this evening. And um, before we do so, let's just open in prayer. Lord God, we thank you and praise you for this uh, week that we've been able to have, Lord, and the time that we can come together again and sit under your word and have it minister unto us, Lord. We pray that you would um, fill me with your Holy Spirit and and uh, your words um, would come forth, Lord, and we would be uh, ministered by your word and um, be led of what to do and how we can apply this to our lives, Lord. And we just pray that you would just be glorified and honoured this evening as we look at responsibility and what responsibilities we have to you, Lord. We pray for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Responsibility. Well, a, a definition of responsibility is knowing and doing what God and others are expecting of me. Knowing and doing what God and others are expecting of me. And so how can we know what God wants us to do? It's a bit of a, a lot of people think it's a bit of a tricky thing. Well, you can know what God uh, expects of you, from you, by, by reading his word. As you obey his word, you also then fulfill, will be fulfilling your duties to others, such as loving them and forgiving them and meeting their practical needs. I think most of us can think of examples of people who were reliable. When you gave them something to do, they did it. And you knew when you gave it to them, that they were going to do it, and, and not only were they going to um, to do it, uh, but they were going to do it at the right standard as well. They were going to do a, a good job of it. But I'm sure that we can also think of someone who was not that, who was not reliable. And uh, when you gave them something to do, um, you were quite often disappointed. It was either not done at all, it was not done in the right time frame, uh, or was done sloppily and, and not done to the standard that you um, had, had needed or expected. When an assignment is given to you by someone, there is a level of trust given to you that, that you are going to complete it. And once you thoroughly finish the task, you have then shown to that person responsibility. They've given you something You've gone away, you've done it, done it to the standard that they was expected, and so you've proven yourself, you've shown that you are a responsible person. You knew what needed to be done and you just went and did it. Sometimes a responsible choice is going to involve those sacrifice, such as waiting to go out to meet up with someone until you've finished a particular task, or setting aside a planned activity so you can help someone else to do something. However, responsibility reaps the invaluable rewards of a good name and greater privileges and also a clear conscience. 
Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favour rather than silver and gold. So that's, that's the responsible person. So the opposite of responsibility is unreliability. A person who is unreliable does not consider his, his, his assignments important. So he does not think through what is required to fulfil them. His tasks are often late and they're incomplete or forgotten. He may think, oh, this, this job can wait till tomorrow. I'll play now. I'll do whatever now and I'll get that done a bit later on. At other times, he may not pay attention to or understand what is really expected within the task that has been given to them. Rather than ask for help or, or have, get clear instructions about what um, may be needed, he uses this lack of understanding to, um, as an excuse to be able to delay the job. An unreliable person may quickly offer to help, but will then often fail to follow through and what they've put their hand up for. Because others cannot rely on this person um, to finish their tasks, they often um, have to be reminded uh, they have to remind them of their duties. Greater freedoms or opportunities are not granted to this person because they have not been faithful with these smaller tasks. The irresponsible person will regret the way he foolishly handled his earthly assignments when he stands before God to answer for them. Knowing and doing what God expects of you prepares you for the day of accountability. Romans 14.12 says, So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to the Lord. And this is really our key verse for the message tonight in Romans 14.12. It says, So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. One day we're going to give account before our Lord and Saviour, the, the creator of the universe, for everything that we've done. Let me ask you a question. Do you search God's word um, and yield to what he would have you to think, say and do? As you approach each situation or task, do you apply yourself with a good attitude? Do you complete your responsibilities wholeheartedly, knowing that you serve the Lord and that he is your rewarder? If so, when our works are tried you will be able to joyfully receive the lasting words from your Saviour, as it says in 1 Corinthians 3.13, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work for what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built upon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. This, these verses here are talking about being responsible for our actions. Works don't uh, get us to heaven. And we cannot lose our salvation, as these verses says, um, if we have not done the things that God has asked us to do. But we can lose our rewards. 
We can, we can lose those things um, that we would have been able to lay at our Saviour's feet uh, when we go to heaven. We'll be getting in by the skin of our teeth, uh, so as to say, but we cannot lose that salvation. Uh, no praise will, be, uh, will bring greater joy than hearing Christ say to us at that time, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Let's have a look into the word, into scripture, about what it says there about responsibility and what responsibilities that we have. And the biblical word duty describes for us the concept of responsibility. So we have a duty to do certain things. That's implying that responsibility. And it's translated from the Greek word ophelo, O-P-H-E-I-L-O, ophelo. And ophelo, that Greek word, means to owe. So we owe someone something. We have a responsibility to someone. Or we um, the good... Um, the goodwill due. So we, we have some goodwill due towards that, that person. We have, again, we have that responsibility due to that person. The word or fellow is translated different ways in the New Testament. These includes uh, ought, so we ought to do something. Uh, due, so we, we, uh, we, something is due to that person. We need owe. We, we need to do something, we owe something, and we are bound. And we'll be looking at some, some of those as we, we get into that. Let's have a look at a few different ones here. Uh, turn to Romans 15 and verse 1. Romans chapter 15 and verse 1. There it says, We then that are strong ought, or, or fellow, to bear the infirmities of the weak. So ought there or, or, or fellow um, is that we've got a responsibility to bear the infirmities of the weak. We'll quickly look at, at, at a few different verses here and then we'll look at some more in a bit more detail. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 3. So these are the instances where the word, the Greek word or fellow is used where it says, uh, let the husband render unto his wife due or, or fellow benevolence. Due love and responsibility uh, that we have to our wives. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 36, a bit further on in that chapter. Where it says, if any man think that he behave himself uncomely towards his virgin if she pass the flower of her age and need or all fellow um, so require let him do that um, do what he will he sinneth not let him marry so we've got need so we've looked at a couple of different ones we've got ought we've got due and that was the example of need the next one is in Romans 13 8 back to Romans Chapter 13 and verse 8, where it says, O man, no, owe no man anything. So, or fellow, no man anything. But to love one another, for he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. And Second uh, Thessalonians, chapter 2 and verse 13, 
where it says, We are bound, we are all fellow, uh, to give thanks always to God for you, brethren. So we, are, we have this duty to give thanks to God for you, brethren. And so we've got these um, responsibilities to us. And we have this word duty, uh, this word or fellow found in the scripture. But God is our ultimate example. God is the example that we should be following. And, and, and so if we're looking at this character quality of responsibility, uh, we need to have a look at the character of God also. And we see many examples in God's character of how he is also responsible. God is, is the ultimate responsibility, is the ultimate authority. So let's have a look at a few of these. Um, let's look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 65, where it says, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. So thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy uh, word. And in Psalm, just back a bit in Psalm chapter 89 and verse 33 to 34. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. So these verses here are talking about how God is faithful to deal in love towards his children as he said he would. God has said in his scripture that he will always maintain his faithfulness. He has that responsibility to maintain his faithfulness of, of showing love towards his children. And he's, he's never going to forsake that. He's, he has that responsibility and he... He has, he does, and he will fulfill that responsibility. Let's have a look at another one related to that um, in fulfilling his responsibility is in um, Joshua chapter 21 and uh, verse 45, where it says, There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord has spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. God always keeps his uh, promises. He, he has that responsibility where he gives a promise, he needs to be able to follow up and deliver on that promise. And as I said, he fails not. He's failed not for any good thing which the Lord has spoken of. And here he's talking about the house of Israel. He said he'd give them the promised land, and that was full of all these um other nations um, but he fulfilled that everything that he has written down in scripture has come to pass every promise that he has promised to do has come to pass he's been faithful in his responsibility to make sure that he does that let's have a look at another one uh, in the new testament first thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 and 24 where it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. 
God is going to fully accomplish the sanctifying work he began in the believer at salvation. So God said that he was going to sanctify the, the Christian um, when he saved them. And that, does, that just doesn't instantly happen when a believer is saved. He gets saved. He's not suddenly a perfect person. And he does no sin no more. He doesn't suddenly know everything uh, about God or about Christ or about his word. That comes with time. And so we're never fully going to be sanctified until we're face to face with the Lord in heaven. But God is faithful to um, continue to work in people's hearts. He's faithfully given us the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who is going to convict and lead us and help in that sanctification process over time. But he is faithful to do that. Jesus said he's going to do it and um, he is going to do it. He's faithful um, that calleth you, he will also do it. He faithfully saved you. He's going to faithfully sanctify you as well. Let's have a look at John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse 30. Here we've got Jesus speaking. I, I can of mine own self do nothing as I hear I judge. And my judge is just because I seek not mine own will but the will of the Father has sent me. And uh, we'll skip over a few verses to John chapter 12 and verse 49, where Jesus speaking again. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment that I should say and what I should speak. So Jesus said, and did only what his father wanted him to say and do. He, was, he had a responsibility. So God the Son had a responsibility to God the Father to do and to say what he was told to do. He, was, he had that responsibility and he fulfilled it. He put himself in that, in that right position to know what he had to do. Let's have a look at another one. Uh, Matthew chapter 17 and verse 27. Again, we have Jesus speaking here. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast a hook and take up the fish that first cometh out. And when thou opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. Take that and give that unto them for me and for thee. So Jesus, the son of God, um, did not owe any taxes. He was a man who was um, a, the God-man who come and lived in this world. He's the ruler of the universe. Uh, he shouldn't have to pay taxes. But he had a responsibility to put himself under the civil authorities at the time and, and do so. And yet this, the Son of Man had respect for those civil authorities by paying what was expected. It was expected for them to do that. A lot of people, especially the Israelites, hated um, the tax collectors. They were corrupt and did bad things, and so there was a, um, uh, they didn't, didn't like to have to pay that. But um, Jesus was setting the example. He was showing that we need to be able to put ourselves under the, respond, uh, under the authority of our civil um, uh, authorities and to, to pay what is um, expected and what is our responsibility. Uh, John chapter 19. John chapter 19 and verse 25 to 27. 
here we have Jesus who is on the cross. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cephas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And when he said, saith um, he to the disciples, Behold my mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. So Jesus was on the cross, he was about to die, and he he saw his mother and he had a responsibility to his mum, his earthly mother. And so he wanted to ensure um, that his mother was cared for. And so he transferred his responsibilities as a son over to the disciple John to look after his mother going forward. So he... he, um, he made sure that his responsibility was going to be fulfilled even when he wasn't there. The last one um, in regards to the character of God and showing his responsibility is in John uh, chapter 16. So back a few chapters and verse 7 and 8. Where it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So the Holy Spirit fulfills his role. The Holy Spirit has a responsibility to come and convict the world of sin, um, show them righteousness, show them uh, what real judgment is. Um, he has that responsibility and he's been fulfilling that ever since um, Pentecost uh, when the Holy Spirit came. And so God is that example for us to show that he is responsible. He is faithful in all those things. And that responsibility is, is to be an example to us, to be able to follow after that. But we then then need to look at that and go, okay, what are some specific things that are our responsibilities? So what are the duties that are our responsibility? And the first one, and one that carries through a lot of the points that we're going to be looking at here this evening, is paying on a debt of love. We have a responsibility to pay on that debt of love. And we looked at some of these verses earlier, but let's read them again so that we can sink in and get them in our brains a little bit more. Romans 13 and verse 8, where it says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And as I said, we're going to speak on this as we go through the message uh, a bit more on this debt of love um, and how we have a great debt to our saviour for what he has done to us and how we can transfer that on to others. But looking at the first part of this verse where it says, owe no man anything. It says we have a responsibility here to try as much as we can to live debt free. And there is a freedom in that. There's a freedom uh, by not being burdened with a high level of debt. And we live in a society with easy money. With people throwing you credit cards, they want to show, um, give you short-term loans. You can, pu- you can buy now and pay later. 
um, all these um, deals that are, are around there, and it's easy to fall into the trap of, go- of reaching beyond your means. But if you purpose to become debt-free, God will honor that. God will look to help you um, get away from that debt and clear that off um, and then give you the the joy and the freedom by not being burdened by that. As I mentioned, we're going to talk more about that debt of love, which which this verse goes into and, and focuses more on. But firstly, let's look at some other responsibilities that we do have. So we've got that paying a debt of love. We're also supporting faithful ministers. Um, we're in Romans. Just go over a couple of chapters to Romans chapter 15 and verse 27. Where it says, It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty or ophelio, um, is to their responsibility is also to minister unto them in carnal things. We are to support faithful ministers. That's what it's talking about here, is, is supporting them. Paul wanted to, um, to come and visit these believers in Rome. And to be in their company, to minister unto them, um, to be able to, uh, to, to build them up and see the church expand and grow there. But he's telling him here that he, had a, he has a commitment to go to the church of Jerusalem and to minister unto the saints down there where they've been faithful, but they're, but they're pretty poor. They don't have uh, a lot of means, physical means, and they need um, some support down there. And he had, he's got some gifts that he's wanting to go down there and actually deliver. And, um, and so he has that responsibility to go down there and minister to those physical needs of the church in Jerusalem. And we've been blessed here in this church by people who do the same. In the last year, we've given nearly $50,000 over and above um, general offerings to specific gifts for various things um, and various ministries. Um, some has been for speakers. Some has been for missionaries and their needs. Some be, have been uh, giving to, to local outreach. And what a blessing this is. If we see faithful believers in need, uh, we need to be able to support them. In recent times, we've lost um, the, the faithful couple, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Brunken. And they've served for many, many years in our church. And towards the end of their life, um, the church identified um, that they weren't able to do the things that they could around their own home. They weren't able to maintain that. And so um, they saw the need and organized to do a a church uh, working bee around at their house. And um, they were able to go through, clean out the whole yard, open it right back up it become very overgrown and we removed uh, trailers and trailer loads of, of different material to be able to help get their yard back into order and relieve the burden of the maintenance um, from Mr Brunken there. And then not only that, we, we did the day or a couple of days around there, uh, other people on an ongoing basis then um, made it a burden of their, their own as a part of doing the lawns, we would go around and do the lawns of the Brunkens and um, some maintenance to be able to help, help them around the house there. And what an encouragement that that, that was um, to me um, to be able to 
be able to participate and, and do that, but also others as they served uh, in that way, um, serving other faithful believers, other faithful ministers. And there are faithful people around us, all, all within the church and without the church. And sometimes they need our help. They need our encouragement. We need to be attentive to this. We need to be uh, willing to be able to help them when the Lord prompts us. And that might be to pray for them and, and look to build them up through prayer. But sometimes it might be um, to, to reach out for their physical needs. It might be a meal. It might be some, uh, some money to be able to pay for something. It may, whatever the Lord sort of leads and directs you, we should not forget about that. We have a responsibility for that. When we hear of people around Australia or around the world, we have a responsibility to help them where, we, where we're able to. And not to, forget, um, not to forget about them. We have faithful um, pastor and his wife been faithful over many, many years. And sometimes they're in need as well. We need to make sure that we um, look at that and, and respond to those needs and help support them and, um, and other ministers um, as we see and the Lord directs. The next thing that we are that we have a personal responsibility for is protecting weaker believers. Let's turn to uh, Romans 15 and verse 1. We're in Romans 15. Just go back to the start of the chapter. Then we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let's let's go back into verse in chapter 14. Back to verse 13 there and, and give ourselves some context here and uh, read from verse 13. It says, Let us therefore, uh, let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not incharitably, destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy the Holy Ghost. For he that is in thee things serveth for he that is in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify one another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offence. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. He that um, doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not in faith. For whatsoever is not of faith. Is sin. So, what are our responsibilities here? It's talking about protecting the weak believers, protecting other believers. We need to protect and we need to encourage other believers that are around us. Within the church, we have Christians in all sorts of different maturities, both physically and spiritually. 
Just because someone may be older than you uh, doesn't mean that they are more uh, spiritually mature than you. They may have been saved later in life and still have also to learn a lot about about Christ um, and about the Christian walk. We as believers may be strong in certain parts uh, of our faith and able to resist temptations under certain um, situations and we don't have a, a weakness in others in, in, in areas. Others may though have a weakness or, um, to a particular sin. Do we want to expose that believer to fall into that sin? Or should we protect them? Should we keep them away um, from that situation or that uh, particular thing that we don't have an issue with and we're not tempted by um, and we're able to do, but another believer is having, having an issue or does have an issue with that? Um, should we take them along or should we flaunt that in front of them uh, where we've got the potential for them to be able to fall into sin again, to be able to, um, to be offended and, and um, not to be able to have that, um, um, that peace and love between them. How do we treat a, a weaker believer if they have fallen into sin again? How do we treat them next time do, that we see them? Do we shun them? Um, do we talk about them? Do we, do we start to whisper because they're not walking right? Or do we come back and, and actually encourage them? Do we encourage them to come back to Christ? Do we encourage them to come back to church, to keep reading the Bible, to let them know that we're thinking of them, that we're praying for them and, and that we want to build them up in the faith? Are we doing those things? If we are strong, we need to be able to help others to be strong also. Who knows when we might fall? We are still sinners as well, and we've got that potential to be able to fall into sin as well. And wouldn't we want to be encouraged, to be built up, to be drawn back in and and to get our lives right with the Lord? We need to make sure that we're doing that, that we're protecting weaker believers, that we're building them up and encouraging them in the faith. We need to be um, helping disciple them and, and seeing them grow. Don't neglect them or... Um, shun them because they may have um, had a stumble. The next responsibility that we have is making marriage decisions. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 36. Where it says, But if any man think that he behaves himself uncomely towards his virgin... If she pass the flower of her age and need or a fellow so require, let him do that uh, what he will. He sinneth not. Let them marry. So here God is telling us to make wise decisions when we're thinking about marriage. So we need to make wise decisions. And sometimes I think in churches we can look to have young couples married off pretty quickly. We want to obviously want to see them not fall into um, sin or anything like that, um, but we can tend to want to push them into to marriage pretty quickly. And couples themselves may think, "Man, well, they've just got married. Uh, I'm not married yet. Uh, I need to find someone quick and and get married." 
and and they can sort of panic and think, oh, I'm going to get left up on the shelf or something like that, and and want to quickly get into a relationship and and get married and and uh, go into that part of their life. And um, in the verse here, Paul uses the phrase uh, "past the flower of her age" as a delicate phrase. It simply means that. Uh, the girl or the guy is getting a bit older and they're starting to become one of the unclaimed blessings of the church. And the danger, of course, is that they rush into marriage. It has been said that it's better to live in single loneliness than it is uh, in married cursedness. And we don't want the wrong match-up there. We want to make sure that it is God's will. And each situation is unique. And parents and children must seek the Lord's will when they're looking at um, a marriage situation and make sure that it is right and and um, it takes more than two Christian uh, people to be able to make a happy marriage. We need to look at those family situation and make sure that there's blessings from the parents as well in, in that marriage uh, to make sure that it is um, is going to look to work out. And not every marriage that is scriptural is necessarily sensible. And so we have to be careful about um, the wisdom that us as parents might have to give and as a couple uh, to put to yourself and, and look for that wisdom in, in making wise marriage decisions. And so we have a responsibility around that as well. Linked to that is the next point is giving love in marriage. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 28. Where it says, So ought, or, or phileo, uh, men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. And so it, we're talking a little bit here about submission as well, which we'll look at in a little bit in a couple of points away. But Paul is applying the principle of submission here of harmony between husbands and wives. But he also talks about parents and children and masters and servants. And he began with an admission that, admonition that each must submit to each other. And this is, doesn't suggest that children need to tell the parents what to do or the masters um, not to obey their servants. Of course not. It's not nothing to do with that order. It's, a, it's, um, it's, how, it's how it's actually delivered. We naturally are selfish and we want to take all the time. We want to be able to take uh, what we can get out of anything. But this is not true love. True love is not what we can get from someone, um, what we can take um, from, from that. True love is where you want to give and not take. True love is where you, you love that person so much you want to be able to give them, give them the time, you want to buy them gifts, you want to be able to, to do things for them. Um, it's about giving. And in a, in a relationship, um, we both, the, 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 um, the man and the woman within a, a marriage relationship, have uh, love banks, each have love banks. And we're making deposits into that when we're giving um, for that. And we do that, that our bank accounts get, get full up. But if we're constantly taking... We're constantly taking out of that. We're going to deplete those those bank those love bank accounts, and um, we're not going to have anything left, and we're going to fall out of love. And so we need to make sure that we're we're 
seeing a distinction there between what is true love and what is is carnal um, in where we want to just take. We want to make sure that we're giving, make sure that we're giving love in, in our marriage. The next point is being thankful for believers. Let's turn to Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter one and verse three, where it says, "We are bound. We are all fellow. We have a responsibility to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity every one of you towards all." Uh, toward each other aboundeth. So this is linked to our early responsibility of supporting faithful ministers. We need to be thankful for these ministers, for these believers that we see around us. We need to be thankful for them. And we need to be able to praise God for these believers who we know are walking right. When you see people walking with the Lord, growing in their faith, doing great things for the Lord, let's tell them what we let's tell them that. Let's tell them and give thanks to God for them. Let's pray to God that that we are thankful for them as well. You know what this does if if we do that? Firstly, it's going to encourage you. It's going to lift your spirits by doing so. By counting your blessings, you're going to be encouraged and uplifted to be able to, um, to, to carry on. You're going to get a blessing from being able to see that others are doing well and be encouraged by that. Not only that, it was also encourage the one that you're talking about. Um, you say, oh, I just think you're doing a great job there. Um, really encouraged by how you're serving in the Lord by doing that. By telling them and letting them know, it's going to be an encouragement to them also. So you're encouraged by that and giving thanks for them, but you're going to encourage them also and build them up to be able to help uh, them continue on. And also, it's going to encourage others. Hearing how a believer has blessed you is a blessing and an encouragement to others. Um, We... We hear about how someone has served someone and, and done a great thing for them. Isn't, doesn't that give you joy and, and happiness and encouragement to, to be able to hear those things? It's not a very hard thing to do. It's easy, but it's, it's amazing how little we do it. We're quick to, to whinge and complain about stuff, but we're not so quick to be able to be positive and, and encouraging and, and uh, let people know when they have encouraged us and that we can see that they're doing great things for the Lord. Let's do that. Let's encourage other believers. We've got a responsibility to do that. Another thing we have a responsibility for is suffering for the believers. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16 where it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought, we all fellow, we have a responsibility to lay down our lives for the brethren. When we become a Christian, we're adopted into God's family. And so be, uh, fellow um, believers, fellow Christians become brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's why we hear some people in the church call um, each other brother or sister. And like our literal brothers and sisters, we are to love them. 
and um, love them to the point that we are willing to suffer for them. And Christ is the truest example for us to be able to follow in this. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us to be that salvation, that gift of salvation. He gave his life willingly that we could have that gift. God, though, is not asking for us to be able to lay down our lives. He's simply asking us to help our brothers and sisters who are in need. It's easy to say we love all believers, but quietly helping a brother or sister who is in need is really what is needed. Sometimes that might need suffering or making sacrifices to be able to help them in some way, but we are to look to do that. Another responsibility is being in submission, which we spoke uh, a bit before about. But let's have a look at a verse to support that. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, where it says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Being in submission. And this can sometimes be difficult. We we are all we all have that human sin nature that tells us that we're to be the boss. It's mine. It's it's I want to do this and I want to do that, and this is the right way to be able to do things. But God has clearly set down for us authorities, starting within the family. That we've given and given us our our mum and our dad, um, or uh, our parental authorities, guardian authorities, and then then extends to the school uh, or to the workplace. Uh, it extends to church here and being under church authority. Uh, uh, talking about before our, the civil responsibility where Jesus paid the taxes. We had to put ourselves under that governmental authority as well. We need to submit ourselves constantly uh, in, to uh, be sub submissive to that um, in the fear of the Lord. We need to be able to give up being the boss sometimes and trust and trust that the Lord is going to be in control and uh, be under the guidance of other people. But submission is not just putting ourselves under the authority, but it also governs the operation of authority. It's, it's how the authority is given as well as how the authority is received. Even the disciples struggled with this and Jesus tried to teach them not to throw their weight around um, or to seek to become the greatest uh, at someone else's expense. But they didn't do very well. Even at the Last Supper, they were arguing over who was going to be the greatest among them. And we have the example of Jesus washing their feet. This uh, Jesus who was their master, who is God, um, come down in the form of man. He washed their dirty feet. He taught them that the greatest is the person who uses their authority to be able to build up other people and not to build up more authority for themselves. Those who are in authority be able to submit themselves to others to be able to help other people to use that authority that way. By nature, we want to be able to promote ourselves. Um, but um, the, uh, the Holy Spirit can um, look to... Um, sorry, just the Holy Spirit enables us to be able to submit ourselves to other people and to um, make sure that we're doing that in the right spirit. So being in submission...
Another responsibility is caring for children. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14, the children ought or, or fellow not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And here Paul um, did not want to come to the Corinthian church um, and be a burden. He was wanting to come in and minister to them, and especially uh, he, did, he didn't want to be a financial burden to them. And this is also a principle for parents. Parents, we are to lay up for our children. Our children are to be able to be pr- providing for our needs. We shouldn't expect our children to give us um, things um, to look after us, but we are to, to look after them. As a parent, we have responsibility our children to care for them, to provide for their needs both early in life and also in latter life as well. We've got two more. Walking in Christ's love. He that hath abideth in him ought himself also um, so to walk even as he walked. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 says, Behold, if God so loved us, we ought, we all fellow, ought to love one another. We have a responsibility to walk in Christ's love. These verses in 1 John are pretty clear that we have a responsibility to walk as Christ walked, to walk in his love. He is our example and we are to follow it. We know we are flawed and we are weak and we can only do things in Christ's strength. This includes walking as as he walked, loving like Christ loved. Again, uh, it talks about, we can talk about that debt of love. God so loved us so much that he gave so much. We owe to God so much that we should love one another the same way that he loved uh, all the people that he came and ministered unto. He loved uh, everyone. He loved the whole world. We need to be able to walk in that example that Christ gave us. To do this, we need to be in his word. We need to be reading it. We need to be seeking him out and and looking for those examples of how he treated people. Looking for those examples of that and reading the stories of Christ's life and, and how he dealt with different situations. Um, about his disciples and what did they do, about men and women who walked after God in faith, both in the Old Testament and in in the New Testament. We've got examples here in his written word. God has given this word to us. This is where we're going to find the right way. This is where we find the only way. And lastly, we have um, providing hospitality. Three... um, Third John, uh, chapter. Oh, sorry. Third John, verses five through to eight. Where it said, "Beloved, thou doest faithful, doest faithfully. Whosoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers which have borne witness of any charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey." After a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that, for his name's sake, they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers um, to the truth. Here, it says, we therefore ought to receive such that we might have fellow helpers of the truth. We need to be able to provide hospitality. 
We have a responsibility to be hospitable, both to the saved, to the unsaved, to the known and to the unknown. And this can be pretty difficult at, at times, especially when we particularly don't know someone. It's hard to put ourselves out like that and it can be socially awkward and and depends on how outgoing you are and and those sort of things it can be difficult i remember years ago being away and on a mission trip and we put a big cook up on at the church that we were ministering with there and um, it was designed to be an outreach service to uh, the local community and um and they were, everyone was invited, did up some invitations. We did some door knocking where we were able to, to minister to other people, uh, to witness to them for Christ, but also to invite them along to this dinner uh, where they could have a meal together and also sit under a message. And uh, we were looking to minister to everybody and anybody around the, the town and uh, but to to the down and out as well and I'm, I'm not sure how we heard about it but we heard that there was a a number of homeless people many who are alcoholics um, who lived down underneath a bridge uh, by the river and so we'd organized um, to go take a van down or something and go and pick them up and bring them to the church where they get a good meal and also hear this message and uh, I found it difficult to get close to them uh, just because of the smell that emanated out, out of them. They were, they were not in a good way. They hadn't washed. They reeked of alcohol. Uh, it was hard to, to be there to be able to, um, to look to engage them. But I had to push myself knowing that this is, this is a purpose. This is a purpose for what God wanted um, us to be able to do and minister there was to be able to uh, minister unto these people. And so I helped uh, get a plate of food together for different ones and I used that as an opportunity to be able to give them a plate of food and start a conversation with them and, and try just to at least to make them feel welcome, make them feel that they, they weren't just outcasts and, and um, that they we try to make them feel as comfortable as they were and I'm sure that they would have felt pretty uncomfortable. They, they probably knew that they were um, unwashed and uh, embarrassed about the way they looked and, and things like that and, and thought that they might have get, got shoved in the corner or something like that. So we wanted to make sure that they felt comfortable and, and welcomed and um, that they were, we had, there was people willing to speak with them and those sort of things and show the love of Christ. Um, I don't know or remember if any of them made any decisions for the law, but at least we showed them some love and some respect and gave them a chance to be able to hear the word of God and, and um, that there is hope in this suffering world. And, and those, those people were suffering. And that's, that's what we need to be able to do by showing hospitality is have that opportunity to be able to show them the love and that, that debt of love, which we've been speaking about, um, from Christ, we can share some of that with them. And uh, just in, in wrapping up, um, that's that debt of love that we have. Every believer shares a debt of love with every other believer. Paul states, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And Jesus explained this necessity of paying this debt in his parable of the unjust servant. Since we owe an unfathomable debt to Christ, the question comes, how can we begin to pay that back? 
He's done this uncomprehendable thing for us, for, for me. How can I ever pay him back? Well, in reality, we can never pay him back. And he's the only one who could do what he did. And um, Jesus explained that, that we um, we are to do to benefit other people. When we do and serve other people, we're actually doing that to the him. We're doing that. We're serving the Lord and being able to partly repay him and minister unto him by, by ministering and serving other people. That's the responsibility that we have. By serving and ministering unto believers and to unsaved people, um, we're ministering unto God. And that's an amazing thought to be able to carry, is that by doing those things, we're not doing it directly to them, although we are, but we're doing it to God. We're, we're able to say, God, I'm doing, this, is, this is you. I'm doing this to this person, but I'm doing it to you. And that's an amazing thing that we can, we can do is to be able to, to, to minister unto other people. We've got that responsibility. And um, people want to be praised for everything that they want to do nowadays. They think that they're not recognised or praised for what they do. They're not valued or respected. This is okay to some extent. We need to be able to praise and encourage others. But if, you're, if, if this is just for what we're the basic things that we're to do, the basic things we have a responsibility for. And we've outlined those things. We, we shouldn't expect to be praised for just doing the, the basics, just doing the bare minimum of, of things that we're asked to do. We can get praised if we do the extra mile, do those extra things that we, we didn't have a responsibility for. We need to make sure we're fulfilling our responsibilities fulfilling our responsibilities at work, fulfilling our responsibilities at school, fulfilling our responsibilities within the church. Are we diligent in the work that we do or do we dodge the work that we do? Do we do the bare minimum or do we go the extra mile? Do we get annoyed when we don't get opportunities others do because we haven't served in those little things? Uh, do we all, or do we always do our best? Do we always go and do the great job even going that extra mile? Do we stay back when, when things need to be finished? Do we do those things? We've got that personal responsibility. We'll pray and challenge you to make sure that you follow that and you're responsible for Christ. Let's just close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you and praise you for this time that we can have a look at the responsibilities you have given us, Lord, and they are great and many. And we pray that you would help us to fulfill those things, Lord, and some things are easy and some things are hard and we can only do things through your Holy Spirit, Lord, who strengthens us and leads and guides us. Help us to, um, to follow after that, to be in your word and to, um, to be uh, making sure that we are responsible and, and we're fulfilling those responsibilities, Lord. We thank you for this time together. We commit it to you. We commit uh, this coming week, Lord, that we may be uh, blessed and be encouraged by seeing people fulfill their responsibilities. We pray this now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you and uh, have a great week.